It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all your hockey news and some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by... Absolutely nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon, with me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we've got news. News. But first, please, rate and subscribe on Apple. All right. Before we get into our news blast, let's check in with my stylishly safe co-host, Ryan. How you doing, man? Well, guys, I know everyone's fascinated about the Chino saga. Listen, the Chinos showed up. They were too big, so I had to return them. Uh, I got face masks from Banana Republic, so I probably overpaid. But uh, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm just doing my part to flatten the curve, which is the buzzword around British Columbia. Uh, also excited to have Brandon actually in my place. Uh, he'll probably need to quarantine 14 days after leaving <laughs> this bachelor suite. Like, you know, I don't know why your wife thought this was a good idea to let you come over, but, um, yeah. So this is our first, uh, live in person podcast. Yeah. So hopefully the sound, uh, comes out okay here and, uh. Yeah, buddy. So we got, uh, this is a good week for news too. I mean, do you want to dive right into this? Yeah, man, let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, it's, it's time for the news blast. Release the Kraken. The NHL's 32nd franchise has finally settled on a name. The Seattle Kraken will be set to go for the start of the 21-22 season. According to Craig Custance, the Arizona Coyotes and Taylor Hall have re-engaged in contract talks. It sounds like the CEO, Xavier Gutierrez, is running point on negotiations. Uh, could John Chayka be in trouble? Well, according to Elliot Friedman, the Coyotes and GM John Chayka could be headed for divorce. And the NHL Network released their uh, list of top 20 defensemen in the game. And we have some questions. All right, man. Let's let's get into it with Seattle. I mean, the, the, they came out with the logo. They came out with the the, the sweet looking jersey. That um, and the, the the name itself. I mean, the Kraken. Uh, for me, that was the only one I wanted. I wasn't any, I wasn't interested in the sockeyes or the totems or whatever it was that they were going to try and revive. I mean, uh, first, how do you feel about the name? Well, the name, I like the name. I think that the way that they released everything was actually done really well. I usually hate when like movies for instance they'll do like a trailer of a trailer like a teaser of a trailer (laughs) you know they put out a 10 second clip they're like check back tomorrow well they kind of did that with this but i thought it was actually a really well done um name release the jersey release Uh, bauer actually posted on instagram some designs for the gloves with the color schemes which uh, i i'm i'm actually really excited for the gear to come out and you know when the vegas golden knights came out their stuff it was the initial reaction was like ah it kind of sucks and then it sort of grew on people from what i've heard right away with the kraken it seems like people are really excited people love the name they love the color scheme so i think it's going to be just a huge uh, marketing success in terms of the sales and, and actually I, I you know correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure they sold like 50 percent more merch in the first 24 hours than vegas did when vegas had their own uh, release of their merchandise yeah, man, I, I heard that too. It's just, it seems like it's the perfect market for a, a, a new franchise. And I think the, the crackheads, as they're going to be known, are going to be <laughs> the extra successful. Uh, I mean, they, they've already been having a, a, a little bit of a back and forth with, uh, John Horgan, who's the, the, the BC premier. I think Horgan said something lo- along the lines of looking forward to kind of competing with you. And, uh, the, the mayor of Seattle, I think it was shot back and said that, yeah, we'll give you a 50 year head start for the cup, which, uh, that stings. 
Oh, that's but that's the ultimate clapback, right? Like he's just letting you guys know. Um, and you know what? If history has taught us anything, it's that <laughs> Seattle will probably be in the Cup Finals in a couple of years. So, um, I mean, we'll we'll obviously do more in depth on the Kraken as uh, you know as things progress. Obviously, the expansion draft, the NHL draft, and and so on and so forth. But um, I think from the get go, though, I just think it's a huge win, and uh, you know, the timing of it was was actually kind of perfect people have been complaining for a long time about how they should just release the name what are you waiting for there's only like so many names yeah. and and unlike golden knights where they had their whole uh, uh trademark issue with the london knights there's not you know i, I kind of wondered if they were maybe going to go with something like the sockeyes and maybe there was another sports team somewhere with the same name that was trying to fight them but yeah. um i think it was actually just they were waiting for the hockey to just return and it kind of got everybody's juices going again to to get back into the the swing of things so um yeah looking forward to the rivalry though just a short drive away from vancouver and uh what i mean i will say this though rogers arena sounds better than whatever the hell they named it the go green arena or something in seattle oh i totally forgot about that man that's yeah what a, what a very seattle name for an arena though right that's uh that's just about perfect and i think the only question i still have about the their jerseys is i mean how many navy blue teams are there in the nhl there's probably 10 plus right so they probably could have found a slightly different color scheme but i'm probably just nitpicking there i mean i, I think the jersey itself looks sick but they probably could have come up with a little more creative on the on the color side so according to Craig Custance, the Arizona Coyotes and Taylor Hall have re-engaged in contract talks. CEO Xavier Gutierrez, uh, who was recently appointed, has been you know kind of running point, and John Chaka hasn't been involved in this. And uh, it's leading to a lot of questions at the time of this recording anyways. We don't really have the whole story, but uh, what are your thoughts when you hear about the CEO stepping in? And I know recently we did that episode on Buffalo and how ownership has been... Uh, maybe too involved and uh, I mean is this kind of are you feeling like it's the same thing here or is maybe John Chick maybe on the way out they just want to get this whole deal done well guys we have some breaking news here and it looks like where there's smoke there's fire and it kind of seems like John Chick is burning all of his bridges yeah I mean it's uh, funny how these things work we recorded Saturday night and we talked about you know whether or not Chaco is still going to be a part of the fold moving forward and uh, news broke out Sunday that Cheka had actually been no longer part of the organization for about 48 hours. So uh, it seems like a messy divorce, though, Brandon. I mean, it's it's we've got both sides coming out, making statements. Uh, one side, John Cheka, was pretty civil with his <laughs> statement. And then the Coyotes, uh, they put him on blast on their own statement. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely not getting any clarity here. It actually just seems to be getting murkier. But uh it's pretty wild, and I thought we'd keep you guys updated as, as the situation moves along. So I'm just going to read the statement from John Chaka. Uh, so John Chaka says, The past four years have been the most enjoyable of my life. In Arizona, I became a husband and a father while working as hard as possible to make the Coyotes a Stanley Cup contender. I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership made that an impossibility. That's all I intend to say on this matter for now. A fuller, more detailed explanation may be necessary in the near future. Until then, I wish the Coyotes good luck in Edmonton and thank every member of our pack for the support shown to Catherine, our daughter, and myself over the years. Also, I want to congratulate Steve Sullivan as he steps into a new role. We've worked side-by-side for years. He is a great person and a terrific hockey mind. 
So really all he did was throw ownership under the bus there and uh, basically say, I, I may have to say more in the future, which I think that's that's an absolute certainty. Yeah, I mean, it's like you wonder what this guy's doing, right? Uh, the fact that he was off the, the approved list to go into the bubble, the fact that he hasn't been around with the Taylor Hall yep. uh, contract talks and everything, like... Uh, you know, obviously, I, it's funny. We, we're kind of doing an emergency re-record here on Sunday night. I'm, I'm sure by the time that this episode even comes out, there'll be more information out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I wonder what's going on here because then the team comes out and they they basically, uh, I mean, there's no nice language about how they appreciate all that he's done. We wish him all the best in future endeavors, and uh, as well, it, it seems. You know, from what I was hearing, anyways, that Cheka had kind of given them the runaround by saying that he was looking for uh, or asked for permission to go check out a new gig, and uh, they said no because it was within the leagues. And then, uh, you know, it sounds like from what I've been reading, anyways, that uh, he he told the Coyotes that the new gig wasn't involving the NHL at all or any of the teams, and uh, that may have been a lie. So yeah. you can. You can imagine how Arizona feels. We're heading into the playoffs. It's a week, you know, less than a week away, and and he's got uh, the the GM kind of suddenly quitting on the team. But it's uh, it's messy. Oh man, it's it's crazy messy. And I mean, I, we can't speculate too far, but it really feels like uh, I don't know, just a pretty uh, a pretty immature move on on Jake's part. If he really is kind of giving some teams the runaround. I mean, it's a real small league, and all those guys talk, and it's an old boys club with a long memory. So. I don't know what he's doing, but I, I'm, I'm curious to find out. I just I wanted to read the Arizona Coyotes statement here because, uh, in, in my opinion, it's pretty scathing. So it says, The Arizona Coyotes issued the following statement today regarding John Chaka. Quote, John Chaka has quit as the general manager and president of hockey operations for the Arizona Coyotes. The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Jake has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. The club is moving forward and is named Steve Sullivan as interim general manager. He has the full support of the entire organization, including team ownership, executive leadership, players, and coaches. The club will have no further comment on the matter as the club remains focused on the opportunity to pursue the Stanley Cup. I mean, from from my perspective, in in corporate speak, that's just about as scathing of a dismissal as you could ever have publicly, right? Yeah, I mean, Cheka shouldn't be uh, asking the Coyotes for a reference letter on whatever job he's hoping <laughs> to get in the future. Uh, you know, I mean, that's uh, the only thing uh, that I, I kind of related that to is, you know, I, I had text messages from my ex-girlfriend that weren't even that harsh compared to what the Coyotes press release was. Um, so... That's what I. That, that's what I mean, though. There's no kind words, no thank you for your service, and and we wish you all the best. They were just flat out. They're pissed, and it, it makes you wonder what went on behind the scenes. Both sides have kind of, you know, like you like you read on the Coyote statement. They said, you know, no no further comment at this time. Jake is saying, well, I might release a, a further comment down the road. Um, so we, we may not ever know, but we may also find out a few days from now when the dust settles, uh, maybe somebody else talks. And I think for, for the Coyotes moving forward, though, Steve Sullivan, who, I mean, he played over a thousand NHL games. He's obviously a very smart uh, hockey guy from just his, his time playing. Uh, he's got the interim tag. But again, it's the timing of it is just, I mean, first of all, nobody expects Arizona to really go that deep. Um, and then you're also in the middle of, 
having to potentially sign uh, Taylor Hall. And, yep. and for Sullivan, I don't know if he'll really take the reins on that. It sounds like the CEO is already involved in that. So um, I wanted to ask you, though, let's say, you know, I know you said we don't want to speculate, but that's why we're here, man. It's, it's some <laughs> hockey news and some opinion. So yep. uh, why do you think Cheka might have backed off? Do you think it had anything to do with the Taylor Hall situation or is it something else maybe he wants a, a different shot somewhere else yeah I, I man that's such an interesting question but i just i honestly don't know like I'm, i've been reading about it a, a little bit and there's the the uh arizona coyotes uh insider webpage and just you know they they have an, an nhl source who's basically calling john shake a, a, a liar and a quitter um for for his account of the whole thing and and uh basically throwing him under the bus so it yeah let me just read you a, a tiny quote here it says uh well, he says, he says, yeah, John Chaka is a liar and a quitter. And then he, he basically, he went on to say that, uh, it says, per the source about a month ago, an NHL owner asked if he could speak to Chaka about an opportunity and was denied permission by the Coyotes owner because Chaka had just signed the extension in November for four more years per one source or for three more years according to another. And he had told uh, Marullo, who is the owner, that uh, he and his family were happy in Arizona. Jacob tried to convince Marula by, ter- by telling him that he had been allowed to do so in the past to build relationships around the league. And then the source says, quote, as you can imagine, Alex was upset. He felt betrayed and felt lied to and said, absolutely not. I'm not even going to entertain it. I want you here. So per the source, on multiple occasions, Jacob was told that this was not the appropriate time to explore such an opportunity or to discuss it, but it could be revisited at the appropriate time after the season. And still Jacob wanted out. So like this, the source goes on by saying there's this narrative that members of this organization started to take job functions away from John, like talking to players and agents. But the reality is John abandoned the organization. So, I mean, those are just incredibly strong words from, from somewhere <laughs> that seems to be close to the situation. And, I mean, it's, it's not making Cheka look all that good in, in the whole thing and certainly not all that mature if he's kind of going against ownership and kind of burning all the bridges he can to try and pursue some other opportunities. So, man, I'm just I'm, I'm so intrigued to see how this plays out. I mean, what do you think about the whole situation? Do, do you think Cheka is uh, kind of getting painted in a bad light, or do you think it's uh, you know he's just trying to make himself look good on a on a shitty situation? Yeah, it's it's a it's a soap opera, right? It's I mean, it sounds like Days of Our Lives plot the way that yeah. these two are are kind of going back and forth. I mean, obviously the Coyotes like the the raw emotion in those statements from Arizona makes me think that they're telling more of the truth because uh, Cheka has been somewhat silent and you know i mean you read stuff online and, and the comment section of like a reddit post for instance it's so funny right i mean it's like the coyotes release their statement so everyone oh Chaka, you know what a what a jerk and then Chaka comes out and and tells a different story it's like ah oh, you know the coyotes are overreacting and it, like i said it's you have to be able to decipher a lot of times what you know the, the truth lies in in the middle somewhere but like I said, this the fact that the Coyotes are coming out with the strong language, like you you pointed out, makes me think that Cheka actually did something kind of weird, kind of shady, and yep. uh, you know, and, and I guess if we're looking at the big picture here, he's got a bit of a history with this. You know, we 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 touched on it several episodes ago, but the you know he was kind of holding workouts and stuff right. <laughs> when he shouldn't combine, have been, yeah. And, and, yeah. and yeah, so you know, it's like. It sounds like he's he is kind of this renegade, and and I don't know if uh, I you know obviously I don't know the guy personally. It, it just seems to me that he was a young you know GM when he got his his start, and um, I know you you'd pointed out uh, previously that he had you know 
kind of like family that uh, there's some some kind of shady dealings uh, involving his family, and so I don't know. I, I don't know if the guy just maybe got too big of a, an ego and and wanted to move on somewhere else and got ticked off that they told him no. Um, he did have two or three years left on his contract. I mean, he's he's walking away from huge money, a long term deal, yeah. and, and long term, yeah, and huge money as well, but. I mean, you know, what's the point of signing a, a you know an extension if less than a year into it you're you're walking away? Yeah, man. Like I, I think that's one of the most interesting wrinkles of this of this whole thing is that he agreed to terminate, which means like that's that's. I mean, you can get fired, and and that's no that's no problem because you're you're going to keep getting paid that salary. But when you agree to terminate your own contract, I mean that like that kind of tells me that something greater happened that that had to. Uh, that had to cause that to happen. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't have any answers, but God, I just want to know. I'm so curious. Now, do you think, uh, so let's say in a week from now, uh, he comes forward as like the, you know, for argument's sake, let's say it's Buffalo Sabres, right? Because they only have one staff member. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's say he, he <laughs> yeah. comes, <laughs> like, let's say that this, you know, it comes out that the Sabres have now signed him to a you know a long-term deal as maybe the assistant gm so he can be the the analytics uh, slash cap guy or whatever uh not saying that's what's going to happen but using that that team as an example do we then hear that the sabers are under investigation for some sort of tampering oh man yeah you know that's that's a really interesting question and i i honestly think that you might see something like that but can you imagine that that jake like just put yourself in jake's shoes right and well let's say that he is 100 percent in the right and and he's thinking man this ownership is just they've got me too under the thumb they're completely incompetent i need to get out of here do you think the pagulas are going to be your first choice for <laughs> for new ownership <laughs> well I, I meant it more as like an example of just the fact that like i say they've got kevin adams there as, as their gm but yeah, I mean, I, it goes for any team, though, because my, my thinking here is that if, if the Coyotes are telling the truth that he was telling the the, uh, the organization that he wanted to talk to another team, they rejected that request, and then he comes out and he says, well, no, it's actually, okay, I want to talk to somebody else, and, and uh, it's outside of the NHL. And, you know, so then it's, it's I guess what, I, what I'm thinking here is, does he then put the team that hires him, if he is truly getting hired by another NHL team, in the crosshairs because maybe he maybe tells the new team that he's totally fine he's he's allowed to talk to the the new team um in which case that might cause any you know might cause some problems and and uh you know and i'm just spitballing here but i'm just thinking out loud because like you pointed out it's an old boys club in the gm world and he's uh he's burning some bridges here yeah, man, that's that's exactly it, and and I just, I I really don't have any answers here except for, uh, well, I guess I just don't have any answers. I really don't, but I'm I'm super curious to see how this plays out. All right, guys, back to the show. More to the point of Taylor Hall. I mean, Arizona does need to do everything they can to sign Hall. I mean, I I just players don't come there for the most part, right? Like that's not a free agent destination. And maybe with Hall there, they could be going forward. But as it is, they need to get a marquee player, and they're desperate. So I think that they're in a place to overpay Hall, where they have the extra year available to him, and they're probably going to pay him a little extra in, in in terms of compensation. I think that they have a legitimate chance at keeping him, and I think they need to do everything they can to do that. Yeah, Taylor Hall would be. I mean, even when he was traded there, he's, I think, the only Hart Trophy winner to ever play for that franchise. And and I know they had, I mean, they had Keith Kachuk, they had Jeremy Roenick there. Even Phil Kessel, when he was traded there, it was kind of a big deal because he's a two-time cup winner, one of the best uh, pure goal scorers of his time. 
and Taylor Hall is like, I'm so confused with Taylor Hall, what he's doing though, because I heard an interview about three years ago when he was, uh, I think this was after his first year in New Jersey. And he said, I've made my money and I want to win while well, he's 30 or coming up on 30. And he's talking about signing a long-term deal in Arizona, potentially. I mean, that's, I don't see Arizona somehow turning it on in the next two, three years here. So yep. uh, do you think that Hall is maybe at a point now where he's going, you know what, maybe maybe I'm just better off being the draft lotto uh, <laughs> good luck charm and I should just take, you know, an eight-year, you know, nine million per uh, instead of thinking about trying to win? Or, or do you think that there's a shot that he still hits free agency when all's said and done? I mean, I think there's always a chance, but I'd, I mean, I'd probably put it at 50-50 right now, honestly, thinking about it. I mean, if I was in his position, it's I, I guess the thing you're weighing is how much do I want to win a cup versus how much money do I want to walk away with at the end? And I mean, I know people want to think that people do this all for the love of the game, but I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are making financial decisions and they should be. I mean, they've got a 15-year window to make bank for the rest of their life and to kind of support their family for that going forward. So... It's a, it's a real consideration, and uh, I'm really curious to see where he's going to go. Um, I just want to let you guys know that as our podcast grows, if Seattle is looking for a young AGM <laughs> to mentor under Ron Francis, I will be on the next Uber out of Vancouver and going into the war zone that is Chaz to get my uh, my mentorship under Ron Francis. Um. I want to talk about the NHL Network. They released their list of the top 20 defensemen in the game. Uh, I know you had some very strong thoughts about this list. Uh, quickly, I'll, I'll run through it here. The uh, you got the, the usual suspects, Hedman, Yossi, John Carlson, were 1, 2, and 3. Those are the Norris Trophy winners. You got guys like Petrangelo, Seth Jones, Charlie McAvoy, Zach Wierenski, um, you know, Dowdy's in the, the, the bottom 10, uh, you know, and, and Che Weber as well. But the, the couple of names, couple of names jumped out. I mean, first of all, you got Ryan Ellis on there, who's a, a very good defenseman, but might be a, a, you know, a product of Roman Yossi. Uh, and I know this is just going to drive you nuts and it's going to make those guys that on the bench with beaks smile. Kale McCarr is listed as number six. Quinn Hughes is number 12, which they're saying that, uh, I guess, Kale McCarr is twice as good as Quinn Hughes, if my math checks out. Yeah, them's fighting words for sure. Yeah, that's 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 the one that sticks out to me. Absolutely. I mean, and, and truthfully, I don't think either one belongs on the list quite yet. I think one standout rookie season does not make a, a top player in, in any position. But just the fact that they've got McCarr sitting at six and Quinn Hughes at 12. And Hughes had the better season. Like, I, I just, it, it absolutely baffles me. I feel like a, a lot of these names are, are on there just for almost name value alone right like we're looking at brenton bird sitting at 11 eric carlson at 16 Ugh. that's exactly like i don't i mean personally i don't think eric carlson belongs in the top 25 or top 30 and somehow he's, he's, he's sitting way up there same with brent burns i mean morgan riley's a fine defenseman he's not a top 20 defenseman in my eyes ryan ellis the same thing he's sitting at 18 he's probably a top 30 or 40 d man but he's still not there and it's just i don't i don't know man honestly it, it feels like they, they picked the top three guys who were the top three Norris candidates, and then they've just taken a smattering of who who is going to get the most like name brand recognition, and then filled it out that way. I don't know how. Like, uh, I would disagree with you on on Riley. Like, I think he's better than people give him credit for. He's more of an offensive defenseman, but he yeah. kind of is the defense in Toronto. Yep. Uh, Jacob Slavin came in at fifteenth, which I think uh, is. 
oh man, the Talking Sauce podcast would know this better. That Jacob Slavin is like equal parts underrated. Yeah. And then like yeah. because he doesn't produce a ton of offense, I can see why he'd be fifteenth on the list. Yeah. But then the guys ahead of him, Drew Doughty, Brent Burns, uh, you know, Chris Letang, like yeah. those are guys that I think Slavin is probably worth more to his team than those guys. Um, I'll agree with you. Like Kel McCarr, yeah, it's at number six. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, Sam Gerard draws bigger assignments. Like, you know, McCarr and Hughes are the sexy, you know, young, I mean that figuratively, sexy, young, uh, you know, up and coming. They're going to be the superstars of the league along with Miro Heiskanen, who didn't make the list um, for, for many years to come. But I, I, I just think like, like I've always felt that Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the game because he can get you 60 to 70 points while also playing a good defensive game. And I love John Carlson. And listen, John Carlson had, was on was on pace for like 91 points this year, which would have been the highest since I think Ray Bork. Yep. Um, that's, I mean, that alone to me, I guess, would justify him being third because his defensive game isn't uh, isn't the greatest, but. Yeah, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. Like they they picked the the marketable names. Uh, you know, a guy like Charlie McAvoy at nine, I, I think it's maybe a little too high. But he's he's also a great player. He is. Uh, but man, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson are the two guys that when I saw this list, I was like, man, okay, you just picked two two of the past Norris winners and you chucked yeah, them in yeah. there because of whatever. You got San Jose who, who did not have a great year. Eric Carlson has never been the same player he was since that year in Ottawa where he was you know, one of the best players in the league overall. Um, but you know what? At the same time, I, I kind of always feel like these NHL network lists are just designed to get us to talk about it and bitch. And here we are. And here, yeah, here we are. Like, you know, like you guys got to understand in our group chat, as soon as Brandon posted this, it was just like, I, it was like Trump tweeted something. It was just the vitriol <laughs> that came through of like, the NHL did this. He, Quinn Hughes at 12. Like what? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll frame it to you this way. Let's take McCarr and Hughes out of the picture. Who do you toss in there? Oh, man, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think Heiskanen actually is a really good candidate to be on that same list. I mean, he's a, a criminally underrated, as evidenced by this list, right? I think he's a Norris candidate going forward. That dude can move. Crazy yeah. good passer, just good, good, good defensive awareness, great senses. So, I mean, I'd throw him on there. Um, I don't know for another one to put in. That's a good question. Uh, Tyler Myers, uh, followed by Chris Tanev, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, Ryan Stanton. Um, Yeah, Miro Heiskin, I'm calling it right now, will have a career similar to like a Sergei Zubov. Like, I think he's going to be so good in Dallas for so long, and nobody's going to talk about him. And and, I mean, John Klingberg is their offensive stud defenseman. And and Mm -hmm. I think I said this before, but I actually had. so my brother's friend hooked us up with club seats at Rogers Arena one night. We went and watched Dallas play Vancouver, and like you know, we were thirteenth row. Like, is that good? But uh, <laughs> watching Heiskin and play, head up the whole time, doesn't know what color the puck is because he's not yeah. looking at the puck. And and yeah, you said it. He skates so well, and I and I couldn't help. And this was this was two years ago. So Heiskin was a rookie. And then Makar and Hughes come on the scene. And, and, you know, I mean, Makar was fourth in 2017. Heiskanen was third uh, in that same draft. And then, obviously, Hughes was a year later. And it's like people talk about Makar and Hughes, but Heiskanen, Heiskanen is quietly going to be in, the, in their shadow but might, might be a better player overall. Um, I think if we take out Makar and Hughes, like having two Carolina Hurricanes and two San Jose Sharks on here, I kind of wondered about that. Yeah. 
Because that's four slots taken up of guys that I, I would argue. I mean, Dougie Hamilton's great, so he probably deserves to be on the list. But yeah, I mean, you know, like Philly, they got Provorov. Provorov's a sick player. Like, yeah. does he yeah. not belong on this list? Mark Giordano on the Calgary Flames is a mm. he's a good player. Like, he won the Norris last year, but I mean, yeah, is he is he top twenty worthy? He really like, slowed down this last yeah. year too. Yeah. Really so you know, I mean, I, I even look at uh, the Rangers. They got that D'Angelo guy. Like he's, I mean, he's kind of come out of nowhere and, and emerged as a great player. And so I don't know. Like I say, well, we should do uh, an episode just on these types of lists, though, because they they do get you uh, pretty pretty jacked up when you yeah. start seeing uh, the slight on your boy. And yeah, well, I mean, just to make it back to the Canucks real quick. I mean, you, you mentioned Chris Tanev, who. Uh, you know, listeners of the podcast will know he's, he's my favorite Canucks defenseman to watch just in terms of his, his kind of hockey sense, right? His, his amazing awareness and his ability of breaking up 2-1-1s, putting a stick in the lane at the right time. The only guy that I've seen that's better than Tanev at, at, at that is, is, is Jacob Slavin. Like, that dude is incredible at breaking up plays. He has the best stick I've ever seen in hockey. So, I mean, people that, that like to focus in on the kind of minute defensive details will definitely appreciate him, but... I guess I'm kind of going against my argument earlier. He's not a name brand. Like to to, to put him on that list, it's actually kind of a, a a real nod to his abilities. Yeah, he's he's one of those pure shutdown guys, and that's the thing is he's emerged as on a team with. I mean, we've talked about Carolina's defense. Yeah, how stacked they are. Like, but Slavin is is honestly uh, just a guy that. It, He's going to be the the Vlasic, I think, of his his era here. Like yeah. he's not going to get you more than thirty points a year, potentially thirty forty points. But um, you know, and he's also got that name that when I uh, I thought he was from like the Czech Republic. He's from like Colorado, so it's like <laughs> you call him like Jakob Slavin, and then he's just like, oh, he's from Colorado. He's like Jacob Slavin. Yeah. So yeah, no, interesting list though, and and I mean, as always, guys, let us know what you think in the comment section of our Instagram page or our Facebook page, and let us know. Uh, you know, if if who who would you like to see, and, and maybe you disagree with us, maybe you think yeah. Brent Burns is the eleventh best defenseman in the NHL. Puke. I'll probably debate you in in detail, heatedly on Instagram. <laughs> but yeah. you know, let us know what you think, as always. Yeah. And uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I just I, I thought actually I'd, I'd, I'd throw in uh, Josh Morrissey real quick, maybe as a as a replacement for one of the two from, yeah. from Winnipeg. He's he's kind of the only defenseman they have that can do anything, and he, he does it all for them. So I, I think he probably belongs uh, somewhere on that list anyway, if not top 20 real close. I'd agree with that. All right, well, finally, I'd just like to give a little shout-out to our staff writer, Marcus, who uh, just came up with an awesome article on our, our blog uh, on, on thehockeyminute.com on the, uh, the best sleeper defenseman for fantasy hockey. But uh, I, I need to give him a, a kind of a little slap on the wrist here because... Uh, that uh, that mf'er forgot Alex Edler, <laughs> and I just I have to say that Alex Edler is the sleeper pick for for a defenseman. I mean that the guy's getting point five points a game. He, he's playing on the second power play. He's getting tons of hits. He's he's involved. You know, twenty seven to thirty minutes a game. So I mean, if if you're out there looking for a sleeper pick on a team that's going to have a deep run, fingers crossed. Yeah, I would absolutely go with Edler. Yeah, I do. I would say that too. Edler uh, is. I mean, is he the longest tenured uh, defenseman? He's played the most games for a Canucks defenseman. Yeah, like he's he's leading in every imaginable stat code, stat category. I think he's got games played, points, you know, basically everything. He's just uh, he's he's absolutely going into the Raptors whenever he decides to retire. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say Ring of Honor then, eh? 
Yeah, I mean, I, there's probably an argument to retire his number, especially if he can do something with with the the new core in any way. But I would say Ring of Honor is an absolute shoe in, and then we'll we'll see about retirement. There you go. There's your daily Canucks talk. Yeah, drink. <laughs> Make sure, as always, guys, check us out on our new website too. Or it's not really new, but we're promoting it more. TheHockeyMinute.com. We got uh, everything from blog posts to caricatures of Brandon, uh, and then memes as well. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. For Ryan and Brandon, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We can do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at the Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on the Hockey Minute. And the only guy I've seen that's better at him, that better, let me try that again. And then apparently it turned out that this new gig was, uh, was actually, oh, what am I trying to say here? Sorry, Matt, I'm waking up. Okay. Love you. Bye.